So we've been learning about the story of Jonah. Are you guys okay? You guys, okay, cool. Uh, we've been learning about the story of Jonah, all right? And it is not Jonah and the whale. We learned last week it is Jonah and the fish, correct, which is in here in the Bible and just a misconception people have. But anyway, the story is pretty famous, but let me give you just a quick recap here. God spoke to one of his prophets named Jonah, and he said, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that they have been sinning against me, that they have done wrong, and if they ask for forgiveness, they can be saved. All right? Now, this is important to the story. Nineveh was the enemy country, or I should say capital city of the enemy country, of Israel. Uh, Israel despised Nineveh. They hated Nineveh. They hated the Assyrians, who were the people of uh, Nineveh. And they were arch enemies. My dad and I went to a museum where it was talking about the Assyrian Empire. Um, and in one of their, um, like, paintings that they had, or I should say, um, what's it called when you're carving into wood? I guess carpentry? But, it, but it's not wood. It's, um, it was stone, actually. I'm sorry. Sculpture. sculpture, yeah. In one of their sculptures, they were bragging about their military victories. And there were all these soldiers, and then there were these little kids, and they were, like, kicking something. And I'm like, hey, Dad, what are they kicking here? And he goes, oh, yeah, the Assyrians, when they would capture their enemies, would cut off their heads and give the heads to children to play with. I'm like, they are evil, all right? They are terrible people. And I'm like, Dad, that's messed up. And he goes, oh, that's nothing. They would also take the enemy kings that they killed, they would cut off their thumbs, and then make them beg for food at their table. I'm like, what? Like, that is, like, messed up. And he goes, yeah, they're evil. Uh, So the Assyrians and the people of Nineveh, they were evil people. And they hated Israel and wanted to enslave Israel. So naturally, when Jonah hears that God wants him to send a message of hope and forgiveness and mercy to them, Jonah's like, I hate this idea. I don't want them to be forgiven of their sins. I want God to destroy them in fire, okay? I want that to happen. So Jonah does something which is peculiar. God tells him, go to Nineveh and preach this message of forgiveness. And Jonah goes, nope. And he goes the opposite direction. He actually gets on a boat and sails as far away from Nineveh as possible. We learned how funny it was that he tried to run away from God, to do the exact opposite of what God told him to do. But you can't run away from God, for God is everywhere. So as Jonah began to flee and go the opposite direction, a mighty storm came and it rocked the boat. And after some figuring it out, Jonah admitted to the sailors, he goes, hey guys, the reason there's this storm is because God sent it. And the reason is because I'm running from God. I'm disobeying God. And so Jonah had the sailors throw him overboard so that the storm would stop. And it did stop. But as soon as the storm stopped, God sent a fish to swallow Jonah whole, which is crazy, swallowed him whole. And for three days, Jonah was stuck in the belly of this fish. And during that time, Jonah began to pray. And he said, God, I realize something. Um, I'm sinful. I've sinned against you. I've done wrong. And I ask you to forgive me and save me. He realized that the only way he could be saved is if God showed him mercy, if God showed him grace. He did not deserve to be saved. And yet he extended himself and said, God, please forgive me for my sin. And God did this incredible thing. He listened. He gave Jonah mercy. Jonah deserved to perish because he sinned against God. And yet God did the thing which some people might even say, well, that's unfair. But God's love isn't fair. God's love is his love. 
and he extends it to Jonah. Because Jonah was willing to repent, ask for forgiveness, he was saved. God in his grace saved Jonah. So there's this beautiful story of how Jonah disobeyed God. He sinned against God. He ran from God. And God still said, Jonah, I still love you. And when Jonah said, please forgive me, God said, yes, I will. So this is the, the, my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, after Jonah asked for forgiveness, God had the fish vomit Jonah back onto the beach, which I just think is hilarious. Like God commanded the fish. And now I speak unto thee, vomit. And the fish just vomits him like onto the shore. All right. And he probably was happy about it. Like I'm alive. And people are like, you smell terrible. Like, but okay, whatever. So he's on the shore. He's alive. And now God speaks to him again. All right. So read here. Chapter three, verse one. This is after he's just been vomited onto the beach. God speaks to Jonah and says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. So here's God, and he's like, hey, listen, let's try this again, all right? Because you just ran away, got caught in a storm, got thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish, and vomited onto the shore. How about this? Um, what if you do the thing I told you to do originally and go preach the word to the Ninevites? Jonah's like, got it, all right? I don't want to do this again. So he went to Nineveh, and he began to preach to them. And his message was simple. Hey, guys, um, you are sinful. You've done a lot of bad things, all right? And God is going to punish you for them unless you ask for forgiveness. This was his message. He went through the entire city, which was a massive city of 160,000 people, and he proclaimed this message, you will all perish because of your sin if you do not ask for forgiveness. So as he preaches this, something incredible happens. The people of Nineveh ask God for forgiveness. They ask God for forgiveness. Now, just to put this in perspective for you, okay? Imagine that God comes to you and he says, hey, listen, I have a message for you to deliver. And you're like, yeah, sure. Uh, it's like to my parents downstairs or is it like, you know, to my grade at school at Simpson or it's like, no, 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 a bigger message. I want you to go to North Korea and meet with King Jong-un. And you're like, wait, hold on. King Jong-un, the guy who like has literally killed thousands and thousands and thousands of people, the guy who has people in concentration camps, the guy who is the worst dictator on the planet, yes, that guy, all right? And I want you to go to him and the entire nation of North Korea and tell them that if they ask for forgiveness for their sins, they can be saved. You might be like, wait a second, there's so many complications. Like, first, they might kill me the moment I get there. Second, like, I don't know if they're actually going to listen to this or care about this. Like, why, why would you even want to save them out of all the people on the earth? Like, he, that dude is probably one of the worst people there. And yet God says, go, and you go. And then, as you begin to preach in that country, imagine the king, I should say dictator, uh, of that country listens to your message and asks God for forgiveness. Well, that's what happens here. Jonah preaches this message and the king of Assyria, the king of Nineveh says, hey, guys, listen to all the people. We've messed up. We've sinned. We've done wrong. And God is going to punish us for our sin. So we need to ask for forgiveness. So he puts on 
uh, raggedy clothes as the king. He takes off his like kingly clothes, puts on raggedy clothes. He tells everybody in the kingdom to fast and to pray and ask God to forgive them and to turn from their sin. We talked about how repentance is sinning against God, going one direction, but repentance is saying, I'm going to stop sinning and I'm going to turn to God and go towards him. And so the people of Nineveh begin to weep and cry, not because their little sister stubbed her toe and they're laughing, but they begin to cry and weep out of like, hey, we've messed up, we've sinned, we're sorry, God forgive us. All right. Now, while all of this is happening, Jonah preached his message, and after he preached his message, he did something which is kind of funny, okay? Read with me here. Chapter 4, all right, chapter 4. It says here, where is it? Um, oh, wait, hold on. Let me pause there for a second. Let me keep going. So God extends his mercy to Nineveh, and he does not destroy the city. So he did not destroy the city as he said. And here's the funny part about all this, okay? Jonah had left the city. He goes outside the city, he watches the city, and he's expecting to see God destroy the city, but it doesn't happen. And Jonah does the funniest thing. He gets angry. Okay? He gets angry that God has not destroyed the city of Nineveh. Have you ever been, like, angry for a stupid reason? Right? Like, you ever been angry? Like, you, maybe you, like, wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I'm, like, so tired. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. So you're, like, so, like, walking towards the bathroom. And as you're going there, you stumble and you, like, hit your little toe against the wall. And for some reason, like, your little toe, like, the littlest part of your body causes the most pain, at least in my experience. I don't know why. But you stub your toe and you're like, no! And you say words like that. I, I have this weird word I say when I get injured. You can judge me. That's okay. I say razzle-dazzle. I, I, that's what I say. I don't want to curse. And so the word I say, you're like, you're weird. No, no, no. Trust me. Like, I'm, like, up in the middle of the night, like, oh, I got to, no, 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 no. Oh, razzle-dazzle. Like, you know, that's, like, my word. I, I think it's funnier anyway, but, yeah. Anyway, so, you know, you stub your toe, you razzle-dazzle, and you're angry. And then you start to, like, yell at the wall. Like, you stupid wall. What did you ever do for me? Why are you here? Why do you exist? And the wall says, because it's a wall. <laughs> you're the dumb one. You're yelling at an inanimate object, razzle-dazzle, right? I mean, you, you ran into the wall. The wall did not run into you. All right? But you ever been angry just for, like, the dumbest reason? All right? Like, it's hot outside, and you're like, stupid son. Yeah, I'm going to have UV rays and burn you, stupid son. It's the sun. You're alive because of it, people. If you don't like the sun, then don't go outside, right? I mean, just come on. Just, yeah, all right, real quick. Somebody raise your hand and tell me, what's just a, a dumb reason you've been angry in your life? Yeah? No, wait. I don't know about picking you. No, anyone else? Please, someone else. Please. Yes. Yes. You cut open a highlighter? <laughs> and did it spill on things? Yeah. But then you're angry at the highlighter, but you cut it open. Don't do surgery on highlighters, people. Uh, yes, sir. Fortnite, just in general, right? It's just you and that one other person. And what happens? You suffer fall damage and die and lose. Uh, yes. Losing a game of Call of Duty. Yes, sir. Ooh, yeah. Like you're writing in pen and you're like, no. Yeah. I wrote a thank you letter once. I don't know why. I just wanted to rant about this because I'm like, I'm angry. I wrote a thank you letter once. It was like really pretty. It was like four pages long. I'm like, wow, this is so sweet. And I signed my name wrong. I spelled my name wrong in pen. I wrote the whole thing. It was perfect. And then I go, sincerely, Burrett. 
what? No, no, why'd they put an E there? And I just spelled my name wrong. That's terrible. So I had to like cross out my name and put it twice, but they would all know that I wrote it wrong. So, ew. All right, moving on. But of all the reasons to be angry, listen to the reason that Jonah is angry. Jonah is angry that God saved 160,000 people. He's angry. He's like, God, in his stupid mercy and love and forgiveness, he saved their lives instead of smoking them and destroying them all. Oh, razzle-dazzle. Like, I mean, literally, that's what he says. So check this out. Read here, chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to what Jonah says. It says here, this change of plans, being that God wanted to destroy them, and then when they asked for forgiveness, God forgave them. Listen, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. He, so he complained to the Lord about it. He's arguing to God. He's like, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That I, th- this is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you would be a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I would rather be dead than alive if I, uh, if I knew what I predicted would not happen. Pause here for a second. So here's what Jonah is saying, okay? He's like, God, mm, you and your mercy and forgiveness, all right? It's the worst. You, like, love people even though they're evil. What is wrong with He's literally arguing with God. This is a conversation. Why would you forgive people when they do bad things? What is wrong with you? You saved 160,000 people when you should have just destroyed them. Razzle-dazzle. Isn't it just one time everybody say it because it's fun. On three. One, two, three. Razzle-dazzle. See, you're getting it. Isn't that fun? It's just, yeah. Hate is going to hate. It's okay. All right, whatever. Hate is going to hate. Hate is going to hate. Moving on. So here's Jonah, angry at God because he's using that whole mercy and forgiveness and love thing. Oh, right? But, But here's the irony, guys. Jonah ran away from God. He sinned against God. And because of that, Jonah was deserving of death and destruction because he disobeyed God. And yet, when he's caught in the belly of a whale and he prays to God, he says, God, put fish. Ooh, nice catch. Fish. He said, <laughs> it's just funny, like you're just yelling the word fish at me. <laughs> and yet, I thank you. Moving on. So anyways, he's in the belly of the fish. Um, he says to God, hey, God. Hey, God, I know that I messed up. And I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Will you please be compassionate and merciful and forgive me? And God goes, yes, I still love you, even though you've sinned. I actually want to save you from your sin, to save you from death, even though you deserve it. And God made a miraculous way for him to be saved. So here's Jonah saying, oh, man, I love the forgiveness of God. I'm alive because God forgave me. What a blessing. This is incredible. And then the same guy, Jonah's over here like, come on, God, why are you forgiving these people? Okay, destroy them. They deserve it. They're evil people, okay? They messed up. They sinned. Smoke them, okay? Literally destroy them. Razzle dazzle. All of this, though, do you see the irony here? He wants forgiveness and mercy for himself, and yet he wants justice and wrath and destruction for the other people. Why? Because Jonah thinks he's better than them. Jonah thinks he deserves mercy. He deserves forgiveness, but them, they're too evil. Them, they don't deserve mercy and forgiveness. 
And he believed this so much that he would be willing to disobey God, to run in the opposite direction from what God had called him to do, just because he didn't even want them to hear the message and have an opportunity to be saved. It's easy to look at Jonah, though, and go, wow, like, how can you be that selfish? How can you be that angry? How can you be a person where where you hate someone so much that you wouldn't even give them an opportunity to be saved. This is what Jonah has done. And as Jonah is sitting here angry, he literally says, I'm so angry, you know what, just take my life, God. I don't even want to be alive. What a, what a foolish thing to say. Well, here's what God does. He decides to teach Jonah a lesson. And here's what he does. As Jonah is outside of the city, hoping that it will be destroyed, which it doesn't happen, um, it's pretty hot outside. And God causes a plant to grow over him and provide shade. I don't know about you guys, but one of the best feelings in the world is when it's blazing hot and you get a nice cold water or a Coca-Cola and you feel like you're in a Coke commercial, like, everywhere you look. Why am I singing Full House? I don't know. <laughs> everywhere you look, Coke. Uh, anyway, and you just, like, drink that and you're like... Uh, I'm a really loud gasper after I just, uh, I'm one of those people. Some people are like, stop, what's wrong with you? Are you breathing poorly? Anyway, moving on. And you take that nice gulp and you're just like, oh, that's so satisfying. Or, or you enter into AC after being outside and you get that, like, the chill bumps on your arm and you're like, ooh, it's like nice and cold in here. I love that feeling, right? Well, here's Jonah. He's in the blazing heat. They didn't have AC or Coca-Cola everywhere. And he's sitting there. And this plant grows over him, and he provides shade, and he's just, like, cool under the shade, and he's thankful for it. And he enjoys it. And then the Bible says that God sent a worm, and the worm ate the plant, and it was destroyed at the stem, and the plant died. And so now the blazing heat is beating down on his head, and he's hot and miserable, and he begins to get angry at God again. And he's like, God, you know what? I'm so hot. I'm so miserable. Like, just kill me now. I'm I'm, I'm terribly done with life. I'm so angry about this heat. And God spoke to him. And he said, Jonah, why are you more concerned? Why are you more concerned with you being in the shade, with you being comfortable, than you are with the 160,000 people that might die if they don't hear about me and about my forgiveness? He says, Jonah, don't you see your selfishness, your hypocrisy? You are more concerned about the shade that a plant gives you than you are about 160,000 people dying. Wake up, Jonah. Don't you see that I saved you? Don't you see that every good thing that you have has come from me to you? Why are you so self-centered? And why do you think so much of yourself that you think you're better than other people? Let me tell you the two takeaways that I take from this sermon. Number one is this. um, You and I should never think that Jesus is just for some people. That Christianity is just for some people. That church is just for some people. I, uh, I I was here on a Sunday a couple years ago, and a student came up to me and started talking to me. And we were friends. I'd, I'd known him from here and there. I actually substituted at uh, middle school and met him, and we got along, and I invited him to church, and he came. And I was talking to him. We're having a great conversation, and uh, I knew that he wasn't a Christian. 
I knew that he had his problems at school and discipline was an issue for him, but I, I wanted him to hear about Jesus. So I invited him to church. He came. We're talking, having a great time. And he's like, all right, Barry, well, I'll talk to you later. And he heads out. And like as soon as I left, right as I left, another middle school boy who went to school with this kid walks up to me. He's like, hey, Barrett, um, so I saw you talking to that guy. He just left. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, how do you know him? And I told him, you know, I don't know him and everything. He goes, well, Barrett, maybe you don't know him like I know him, okay? Let me tell you something, okay? This kid, and he starts listing everything he's done wrong. This kid has had in-school suspension, out-of-school suspension. This kid is like da-da-da-da. He's disrespectful to teachers. He curses all the time. Like, he's, he's like a terrible kid. Did you know that? And I go, yes. And he goes, what? But you still talk to him. Like, you invited him to church? Like, I, 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 he was just literally confused. And I said to him, like, listen, this place, if this place was only for perfect people, no one would be here. No one would be here. You and I are not perfect. And then I thought back to when I was in middle school and high school, and I realized I did something, too, that I was embarrassed about. And this kid kind of was struggling with as well. Of my friends... Sometimes I would invite people to church. But I would do this thing where I would only invite the people to church that I felt would fit in at church. I'd look at somebody, I'm like, man, they don't know about Jesus, but, you know, they're just a nice person, and they're really kind, they're respectful, they get good grades, they're just, like, really put together. I feel like they could just be a church person. Like, they could just be a Jesus person. Like, they, they just fit. And I would invite those people to church. And yet there'd be an entire group of people I would never even consider inviting to church. Maybe people that bullied me. Maybe people that I felt were like, you know, not the right fit. And I wouldn't even consider inviting them to church. And I realized something. Um, everyone that doesn't have Jesus needs Jesus. Everyone. And I am not deserving of church. I'm not deserving of Jesus any more than any other person on the planet. Jonah had some pride here where he said, I'm good enough to where I, I deserve forgiveness from God. But these Assyrians, they're so bad, they don't deserve forgiveness. But I do. And Jonah was wrong. And sometimes you and I are wrong because we make the mistake of believing that we deserve forgiveness and we don't. Let me say that again. And this is hard to hear. It isn't fun to hear, but it's true. You and I, we do not deserve earn forgiveness it is freely given jonah sinned against god jonah deserved to be punished by god and yet god said but if you would just ask for forgiveness i'll save you jonah wasn't being treated fairly he was being treated with love and forgiveness and god treats everyone the same way in this that everybody from king jong-un to your grandmother that prays and knits sweaters and is super kind to people, everyone is offered the chance to be forgiven of their sin. And everyone is in need of that forgiveness. Church is not for perfect people or good people. Church is for broken people that need Jesus. And that is everyone. Everyone belongs here. Because everyone needs to hear about Jesus. Everyone. You and me. Everyone. And we need to get rid of this imaginary scale in our minds where it's like, well, here's, you know, good people and here's bad people. And like at the bottom of the list is, of course, Hitler. Like everybody thinks like that's the worst dude ever, you know, and then you got Kim Jong-un or whatever. And then you got, you know, like that kid that 
you know, gets terrible grades and is evil and, like, you know, like, gets suspended and all that and a bully. And then, you know, you have, like, that middle group. They're, like, you know, kind of good, kind of bad. And then you have you where, like, you know, I'm better than most people. We kind of put ourselves there. And then you got, like, Mother Teresa, pastors, or, like, then you got, like, you know, again, your grandmother that's super nice and has, like, 20 cats because she loves them so much and, like, you know, like, always gives you, like, a quarter on your birthday. And you're like, Grandma, a quarter isn't a lot of money, but thank you. And, you know, to her it's a lot of money. But still, like, you have that grandma that's just super nice. And we think, well, you know, like the people up here, including me, like we deserve to go to heaven. But these people, nope, they don't deserve it. And we're wrong to have that kind of grading scale. Because here's the grading scale for going to heaven. All right. It's pass and it's fail. There's no in between. Doesn't mean that you kind of fail or sort of you, you fail or you don't. And the only passing grade is perfection. And the only thing you need to do to fail is sin once because heaven is perfect and if you and i have any sin in us then we cannot enter into heaven that means that every human being that ever has existed and lives now needs forgiveness and the only way to be forgiven is to say as jonah did and Nineveh did hey god i've sinned i'm not perfect and i know that i actually even know that i don't i don't deserve heaven i can't earn heaven so here's what i do I ask you, please forgive me. I want to turn from my sin. And if you and I will humble ourselves in that way, in that moment we become a Christian, we are forgiven of our sin for God takes our sin and he puts it on his son Jesus and Jesus died and bled for you and I, for our sin, for what we did wrong. And he offers us an opportunity to be saved. All we need to do is receive it. And anyone can receive this gift well, what about that person at prison that's really really bad they can receive it just the same as you can everyone can receive this gift of salvation if they would recognize their sin and turn away from it and run to god i tell you this because i i don't want you to believe in your heart that you deserve salvation recognize it is a gift given to you Thank God for it, but don't thank yourself and say, well, you know, I'm a great person. That's why I'm going to heaven. No. No, the only reason you'll go to heaven if you have asked God to forgive your sin because he in his love and mercy has chosen to forgive you and you've asked for that forgiveness. I'll end with this. Um, I had a buddy of mine. I have a buddy of mine who lives in Egypt with his wife. Um, He was just a normal guy. Grew up went to the youth group with him. And one day, he just up and left for Egypt with his wife. And I'm like, dude, why are you going to Egypt? Like, what's going on here? Like, I mean, you know, we have Chick-fil-A. They don't, all right? You know, like, come on. Like, also, like, um, there, it is dangerous to be a Christian. You could be killed for being a Christian. ISIS literally killed, like, 30 Christians a couple years ago. Like, literally killed them in a horrific way just for being believers in Egypt. Like, it's dangerous there. Why, why are you leaving home? Why are you going there? And he said, well, because they need to hear about Jesus. And my wife and I want to share with them. Imagine uprooting your life, becoming uncomfortable, leaving what's familiar, going to a place that you barely know, that's unfamiliar, because you look at other people and you say, I love them so much that I would give up my comfort to help them.
what my friend did and does right now. And they share with people about Jesus. Guys, if you love the people in your life that aren't Christians, you should tell them about Jesus. Even the people that you aren't incredibly close with, even complete strangers, you should tell them about Jesus. If you had a a moment where you knew that something terrible was going to happen at your school, like a tornado was coming through and no one knew yet, you'd be like, hey guys, I gotta let you, I gotta warn you. And you'd shout and proclaim and tell people about this terrible thing that was about to happen. If you loved them, if you just left without saying a word to them, like peace, and you left, you know, went home to be safe, what's wrong with you? Why are you being so selfish, you'd say? Why would we hear that salvation from our sin, that eternal life in heaven, is available to me and to other people and take it for ourselves and go, great, cool, I'm saved. All right, I'm going to live my life. And why would we not share with people and desire that everyone would hear this message and not pick and choose who we think should hear it, not be like, well, these are good people. I'm going to tell them about Jesus so they can be saved. I'm going to let them come to church because, you know, they feel like church people. Why would we pick and choose like that and not say this message is for everyone and God has told you and I Jesus has commanded you and I to preach this word to everyone, to share this message of forgiveness. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended to heaven was take this message and proclaim it to all nations, to all people, and tell them the good news. Tell them that they can be saved from their sin just as you have been saved. This is a command that you and I need to take very seriously, and we need to live with this recognition So guys, don't be like Jonah. Don't look at people and judge them and think you're better than them. Look at people with compassion and love and say, I want you to be saved as I have been saved. And I want to share this important message of Jesus with you. I pray that I do this and that we're all able to follow the example that Jesus sets for us. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. And we rejoice in the forgiveness you've given to us. I thank you for the forgiveness you've given to me. That when I asked you to forgive me and repent of my sins, you heard my cry and you saved me. I pray now that you would empower all of us, Lord, to, to recognize we're not better than other people. And also empower us to want to share this message of hope and forgiveness with the whole world, Lord. So the name is in Jesus that we pray these things. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.